ladies. Welcome back to another episode of the Nourished Mom podcast. Super happy to have you here with me today while we talk about sibling rivalry. Oh, the arguing, the bickering, the physical fighting. It can get really overwhelming. Like all of the negativity is bringing me down. But it's okay because today we're talking about four strategies to effectively deal with it. Yay! So let's jump into it before my kids start arguing and I have to pause this podcast. (laughs) Just kidding. Mama, welcome to the Nurse Mom Podcast, where you're going to learn how to ditch the mom stress through renewed mindsets, healthy habits, and balanced nutrition. God is calling you to a life of peace, joy, and rest, even during this crazy season when kids are tugging at your legs, you can't get a minute to yourself, and you feel like you have a million things to do. So if you are ready to leave the stress and busyness behind and step into the goodness that God has for you and your family, then you are in the right place. So set those kiddos up with some Legos, some Play-Doh, or whatever is going to keep them engaged for the next 20 minutes while we dig into today's show. Let's do it. rivalry can really be overwhelming, especially when if you're in a season in life when it's constant and it just seems like that's all that they're doing. I just, I know that that negativity really can have a toll on my mood, on my anxiety and how I react to my kids. So it's really important that we have effective strategies to deal with it in a way that's not screaming and yelling and telling everybody to go to their bedrooms. So let's jump into the four strategies that are going to help you to kind of change this situation in your house, to change these vibes, and to help your kids get along better. So strategy number one is to get your expectations and your mindset right. So you need to expect that there will be conflict. Kids are just learning to deal with things that don't go the way that they want them to, to deal with conflict. Honestly, many adults don't even know how to properly deal with conflict. And obviously, when you're with someone all the time and you live with them, there are going to be things that you don't agree upon. So if you think that there's not going to be arguing in conflict, then you're setting yourself up for disaster right off the bat because you're not going to be prepared to respond in a godly way. So first things first, know that it's going to happen, that it's normal and natural. And then we need to get our mindset right around it. So their arguing and fighting is not an offense against you. I know that sometimes it feels like it is because you've probably have told them a million times, stop hitting your brother, stop yelling at your sister, whatever it might be, and it feels like they're just disobeying you. But that's not what it is. What's happening is that they don't know yet how to deal properly with their emotions when someone disagrees with them, when someone won't do what they want to do, and all these other scenarios that come up in the day when someone won't share with them. They're just learning how to properly deal with these emotions. 
So it's not that they're not listening to you. It's not that they're not hearing you and they're trying to make you mad. That is not what's happening. So we need to stop trying to control the situation and really see it from a different perspective. Your job isn't to control all of the situations so there's never anything for them to argue about. Your job is to properly teach them how to deal with conflict when it arises. So if we can shift our mindset to see these arguments as opportunities to teach them how to resolve conflict, you're going to be more patient. You're going to be more calm because these are skills that they're going to need as an adult. There's going to be conflict in their marriage, in their workplace, in just normal everyday life. Conflict is a thing of life because we are humans and we don't all agree on everything. It's just fact of life. So we need to meet our kids where they are in this journey, in this lesson of learning how to deal with conflict. You know, maybe they're really little and they don't know how to deal with their emotions yet. So where where do they need to start? They need to start with recognizing their emotions. Maybe they're older and they have a hard time with controlling anger. You know, wherever they are, you need to meet them where they are and start there with the mindset of teaching, not controlling. Okay, so strategy number two, if you're going to teach them to resolve conflict, you need to become an expert in conflict resolution. Okay, so where are we turning? How can we become experts in conflict resolution? Well, ladies, go get your Bible. Go get your Bible because we are going to open it up and start there. So Proverbs 19.11 tells us that we should overlook the offense if it's minor and not harmful. Not everything has to be a big deal. So often, Forrest, he gets offended easily. And he's always coming to me like, Silas said that my stuffed animal is small. Like, so offended. I'm like, so? I'm like, not that I want to say so and brush it off. But I try to walk him through it. Okay, so did it bother you that he said it was that it was small? And we'll talk about that and then tell him that, you know, it doesn't really matter if he says your Pokemon is small. He's not trying or your stuffed animal, your Pokemon. Guys, we talk about Pokemon all day long. So if your stuffed animal is small, because that's not really offensive. He thinks it's small, you think it's big. That's that's okay. So it's important to teach our kids that not everything is a huge offense and we can brush things off even if we got offended a little bit sometimes, especially in our world today because you know that everybody gets offended over everything and sometimes we really got to tone it down a notch and realize like that's really not all that offensive. Like, yes, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. It's important to to recognize people's feelings and to not purposefully try to offend anybody. But also, we need to recognize that not everything is offensive. Okay, so the Bible also tells us in Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17, it kind of walks through what the Bible says for conflict resolution. And the number one step is to tell the individual what they do did wrong. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So sometimes it's important to realize that sometimes people will offend you and not even realize that they have offended you. 
And maybe they have realized it. But either way, it's important to confront the situation because you don't want to leave those negative emotions between the two of you, right? The whole goal of conflict resolution is to restore the relationship between two individuals. So you can't just brush it under the rug and pretend like it didn't happen because those emotions are real and you don't want to hold bitterness against somebody. And that's important for adults and that's important for kids as well. But in order to tell somebody that they did something wrong to you, you kind of need to understand how it made you feel, why it was wrong, like what actually offended you. And that takes some emotional intelligence. So for kids, that can be kind of difficult because they're just learning to put words to their emotions. So going back to the stuffed animal situation, so say Silas actually did mean to offend Forrest when he said that his stuffed animal was small. And Forrest wanted to tell Silas that that it offended him and that he thought it was wrong. And first Forrest comes to me, of course, and says, Silas said that, but I'm going to encourage him to go to Silas first. I'm not going to talk to Silas. I'm going to give Forrest the chance to talk to Silas. But first I have to kind of coach him through it. Like, how did that make you feel? And he's going to say, well, it made me mad. Okay, so it made you feel mad when Silas said that your stuffed animal was small. And why did it make you feel mad? And Forrest will likely say, because Silas is always so much better than me. His things are always better. He always has to be the best because this is an underlying theme in our house. So I'll try to coach Forrest through putting that through words. So it made you mad when Silas said your stuffed animal was small because you feel like he is trying to put you down and make you feel bad like his things are better than yours. Is that right? And if he says yes, then I'll say, okay, let's, you need to go tell Silas how you feel. So it's all about really coaching them to learn how to resolve this conflict on their own. And I'm not going to say it doesn't take time and it doesn't take patience and, it, and it's super easy because it's really, it can be exhausting, especially when it's like all day long. But sometimes we have to accept that this is where we're at right now. This is, this is our calling. We are here to teach our children how to respond to the world in godly ways. And sometimes teaching them to walk through this conflict resolution is more important than whatever you got on your plate that day, doing the laundry or whatever. I was talking to a friend about it a while back and I, I was just telling her how I felt like in this season of life, like we're home all day together. We're homeschooling and so arguments come up. And I can easily get frustrated because I'm spending so much time walking through this like resolving these conflicts and like we're not getting a ton of schoolwork done because we spent most of our day walking through conflicts. But what's more important in this season of life? Is it more important that my kids learn X, Y, and Z this week or that they learn to walk through conflict and have brotherly love for each other and resolve these issues because that's something that's going to carry through their whole life. When you can learn how to resolve conflict, like you have a huge advantage in life. Not to say that, you know, learning whatever you were supposed to learn that week isn't a good thing. Like that's an advantage in life too. But we have to understand, you know, where we're at. And I, sometimes it's just important to put aside the other things and walk through this conflict with our kids. The other thing that I really try to do is when my kids are playing together and, you know, I'm doing something else, 
I try to catch them before it escalates too far, before their emotions are real hot and now they're hitting each other and things are getting real crazy. I try to catch it before that happens. So if I'm in the other room and I start hearing voices getting loud, I'm going to stop what I'm doing and I'm going to walk in there and start coaching them through this. Like, okay, hold on guys, let's let's pause. I want to step in here and help you. So it seems like you're beginning to get upset, Forrest. Can you can you tell Silas what's bothering you? And kind of coach them through that. Be the mediator. And I let that be like a trigger to me. Like those voices like trigger me to go into conflict resolution mode. Like I'm the mediator. Here I come. I'm going to come in and kind of ask you some questions to help you tell each other what's going on and resolve this conflict. And there are some really great Bible studies that we have used in the past by Not Consumed Ministries. And I really love the one, My Brother's Keeper, Learning to Love Your Siblings God's Way. Because it really, it really walks this out with the kids and teaches them to respond in a godly way when someone has wronged you or when you have wronged someone else. So the steps that she walks through when someone has wronged you are to consider your part. What did I do to cause this? So if your if your kids come in and they're like, so and so hit me, okay, well, is there anything that you did to cause this? Well, yeah, I stole his Pokemon card. Back back to the Pokemon. <laughs> Helping your kids to realize that Yes, okay, someone hit them. And that offense is probably worse than stealing a Pokemon card. But that doesn't mean that you didn't do something to cause the situation. So what did I do to cause this? What can I do to make the situation better? Maybe you didn't do anything really to cause it. But you can always do something to make the situation better. That might even be just walking away from the situation for a minute to give your sibling time to cool down, right? And then the third step is what what might be causing them to act this way. So teaching them to be compassionate and to look at things from somebody else's perspective. So if Silas comes in and is complaining that Forrest hit him, I might ask him, hmm, what do you think's going on with him that he felt like he had to hit or that he couldn't control his emotions? And maybe Silas will say, I don't know, he's been having a really hard day today. All right, well, maybe we should ask him what's going on so we can help him. The next thing that they talk about in those devotionals is after you consider your part, you do what's right. So maybe that includes overlooking an offense or forgiving them or telling them that you understand why they're upset and you are there to help them. And I know that these are big things for kids and I'm not going to act like this always plays out in my house right because we we have sibling arguing and like it escalates. But teaching them and coaching them through this they learn it a little bit of every time they learn a little bit more and it becomes a little bit easier for them to walk this out and that devotional then will walk through well what what about when I wrong someone what are the steps that I take then and it says to pray and ask God for help number two ask for forgiveness and number three make it right And the devotion comes with a bookmark and flashcards so it makes it easier for everyone to walk them out in the heat of the moment. And it's just important to remember, I I know I've said it a million times, but you're teaching, right? Teaching is a slow process. Like hopefully the kids get it by the time they're 18. So when you read further into Matthew 18, so after you tell your brother if he doesn't listen, then it says to take one or two others along with you. 
So for your kids, that would probably mean, okay, so you tried to confront him on your own. It didn't work out. He got angry with you or whatever happened. It's time for you to get an adult. So I would encourage you to look up biblical conflict resolution. Look up verses like Matthew 18, 15 through 17. 1 Thessalonians 5, 15 says that see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Proverbs 15, 1 that tells us a soft answer turns away wrath. James 1, 9 um, that talks about being slow to anger. So the Bible is going to be where you're going to find your knowledge to resolve conflict and to teach your kids to resolve conflict. So teach your kids these verses and ask them what they think it means. Dig into the meaning with them and tell them why it's important. And although it probably seems like a super slow process, that scripture does absolutely have the power to change their hearts. Okay, so strategy number three is to create a family culture that honors and brings each other up siblings naturally compete, right? They're prideful, they're selfish, and sometimes they think that they need to compete for your love. I mean, look at Cain and Abel, a sibling rivalry that ended in murder. It's awful, but it just shows that this is our sinful nature, that pride, that selfishness, and we need to model a different way. We need to model God's way. So Romans 12, 10 tells us to love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. Hebrews 10, 24 says to stir up one another to love in good works. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11 says encourage one another and build one another up. And Ephesians 4, 29 says let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. So these are verses that you can speak daily with your kids to show them the importance of building each other up, that God put us in a family that we can encourage each other and be on the same team and build each other up, not to tear each other down. So what does that look like? Well, using our words to uplift and encourage each other, helping when someone needs help, serving each other, these are all things that we can do every single day. And it's going to start with us. Like so often, this is like a scenario that plays out in our house every night. So we all sit down to like chill out for a little bit. And I was just doing a bunch of things, you know, and finally I get a chance to sit down. And then right when I sit down, one of the kids will be like, oh, I'm so thirsty. Can you get me a water? And I was really in the habit of saying, you know, I just sat down and you've been sitting down for a little while. You're old enough to get your water. Go get up and get it yourself. And while it's true that they are old enough to get their water and that sometimes it's important to teach independence, but honestly, I have no doubt that as adults, they'll be independent enough to get up and get water for themselves. But will they understand the importance of serving each other? So I really felt convicted that, at least for this season, that I really need to say, yes, I'd be happy to get that water for you, to model serving, right? And do it with your spouse too, to let your kids see you serve each other willingly with joy. Because if we do it, it encourages our kids to do it as well. One thing that we recently started um, to encourage this is the kindness jar. So what we do is we have a little jar and we have our names all in the jar and little pieces of paper all crumbled up. 
And every morning we all pull a name from the jar. And this is the person that we need to focus on being kind to for this day. And not to say like obviously we want to be kind to everyone, but doing this really helps our kids to stay focused on the task. Because saying that you're just going to be nice to everyone, even for me, right, it sounds really good. But when I actually pick a name out of the jar, it really solidifies it. Like, okay, this is my mission for today. I'm to be nice to this person. And honestly, as I'm nice to this person, I end up being nicer to the other people in our family too. And I've noticed a huge difference in our kids' behavior. Like just with doing it for a week, Silas has like become the kindness like superstar most of the time. But I notice him, notice him getting drinks for people, picking up things when people drop them, you know, going to help someone when they need help and like going out of his way to serve people, to serve the people in our family. And then at the end of the day, we try to guess who everyone had to see like, oh, were you, you know, were you able to go above and beyond so that people can recognize that this was the person that you picked today? And then we ask like, what could you have done to kind of like improve Um, Or where do you think you really excelled in this? And we just have a conversation about it. And it's been such a blessing to our family. So what are some routines and rhythms and habits that you can implement in your family to encourage an environment that uplifts each other and encourages each other? Pray about it. Ask God to show you, to give you clarity, to give you a vision on this. So step number four is to be a family whose mission is kindness. So when you unite under a common mission, it strengthens your bonds, right? Companies have a common mission. Churches, schools, they unite for a common cause because it builds relationships. It gets people united. And honestly, people used to, families used to all work together. They had to for their survival. It's only after the Industrial Revolution that families started to kind of split off and do their own things. But before, you know, a family business was what the whole family was involved in. The mom, the dad, the kids, they all helped out in this common mission to support their families. And it really, I think it really brought families together. And that's something that we're lacking these days. But if you can unite under a common mission, it's going to bring your family closer together. And God has really put it on my heart to unite as a family whose mission is kindness. And I'm trying to actively pursue this and find ways that we can show kindness all around us. So like for instance, when we go to the grocery store, so now I'm having the kids bring like stickers and little toys that we get to pass out to other little kids and we'll pray before we go in like, Lord, show us who you want us to help. Maybe it's an elderly woman who needs help with her cart. Maybe it's, you know, a mom whose kid is crying and we can give them a sticker to help them to feel better so the mom cannot be stressed out or whatever it might be. Um, You know, I'd like to say that I can help people grab things off the shelf, but I am not tall, so I need people to help me with that. (laughs) But different ways, just keeping our eyes open to how we can show kindness to the people around us. Um, Same thing with like our new neighbors. You know, I asked the boys, how can we show them kindness? And they wanted to bake them muffins. And then when we were supposed to deliver them, they didn't even want me to go. 
Um, they wanted to be like so independent and do it on their own. So they went over and we had already introduced ourselves, but they had went over, you know, and knocked on their door and delivered these muffins. And I thought it was so cute. But just ask God, how does he want you to unite for for his glory? How can you guys be a family on a mission? All right, so your four strategies. Number one, get your expectations and your mindset right so you are prepared for this battle. (laughs) Number two, teach your kids conflict resolution. And that means that you need to become an expert. Number three, create a family culture that brings each other up, that honors each other. And number four, create a family mission for God's glory, whether it's kindness or whatever he puts on your heart. All right, ladies, I hope that this episode has blessed you. I hope that it's given you some some motivation, some tips, some clarity on how you can help your kids to argue less and to create peace in your home. And if you feel like this episode has blessed you in any way, I ask that you please, if you could leave me a review, I would greatly appreciate it. It is um, one way that really helps my podcast to get noticed in the ranks um, so other moms can find it. And then also share it on your social media. Tell your friends about it and I would appreciate it so greatly. All right, until next time, I pray that God blesses you and fills your home with peace and joy. Real quick before you go, if this podcast blessed you or inspired you in any way, could you please take a minute to write a review on Apple Podcast? Writing a review is the number one way that you can help me to reach more moms just like you. And reading your reviews truly inspires me and encourages me to keep doing this work. Also, don't forget to connect with other like-minded mamas in our Facebook community so that we can encourage and uplift each other on this journey. The link to the Facebook group is in the show notes. Thank you for listening and may your heart overflow with God's peace and love. God bless.